Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. The concept of hospitality has had various connotations over the centuries. In the 6th century, St. Benedict wrote in his rule for his monks that they should receive strangers as Christ himself. Therefore, the Benedictine abbeys were havens for travelers and continue to be so today. And so we recognize hospitality is a Christian form of charity. Now, we express hospitality with friends and family members that come over and visit us, but we also practice hospitality at our parishes. At all of our Masses, we have greeters to welcome all the people that are entering the church, especially those visiting. More to it, if we look at our stewardship theme, belong, believe, and become, hospitality is a very important part of our stewardship. We create an environment that always is welcoming in such a way that people feel at home here at the parishes, opening up to grow in their knowledge and practice of their faith, whereby they become the person that God created them to be. Well, we see that on display in the first reading as well as in the gospel. We see hospitality being displayed, but in this case, It's spiritual hospitality, welcoming the presence of God into our life, each and every day of our life. Turn to that first reading. Here we have Abraham. He teaches us the proper reaction to the presence of God in our life. Notice how it begins. It says, The Lord appeared to Abraham by the tenebreth at Mamre, as he sat in the entrance of his tent while the day was growing hot. Looking up, Abraham saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran from the entrance of the tent to greet them, and bowing to the ground, he said, Sir, if I may ask you this favor, please do not pass your servant. Let some water be brought to you, and you can bathe your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Now, Abraham sees these three men. Basically, he's seen a vision of God appearing as these three men. Notice also that little detail. He addresses them as sir. Now, when we see a group of individuals, we say, you know, hey guys, or hello gentlemen, but he addresses them as one. Well, the early church fathers noted this, and they said this was the foreshadowing of the doctrine of the Holy Trinity in our church. God is one, and yet there are three persons of God. Now, God essentially bursts into Abraham's life. Abraham, realizing he is in the divine presence of God, he engages in this fanatic sense of hospitality. First, it says he washes their feet. Then he gives them something to drink. He has his wife, Sarah, make cakes for them. 
Next, he has a servant slaughter the very best calf he has. And so he is furiously waiting upon these three people. Now, it's important for us to understand the importance of hospitality in the ancient world. It basically was a sign of great moral behavior. And for you to receive people generously into your house. And see, this is the proper reaction to the presence of God breaking into our life. Abraham sees the presence of God in his life and he drops everything. Now he is completely riveted on God and serving God in his life. Everything else in his life is on the periphery. God is the sole focus of Abraham's attention. See, that's why he engages in this frenzied pace of hospitality. You know, that's a great spiritual lesson for us all. You know, this is how we should respond when God breaks into our life. And he does so in so many different ways. In prayer, in the sacraments, in the Eucharist, God is constantly breaking into our life. What do we need to do? Essentially, be focused and riveted on God's presence, just like Abraham was. Now, finally, at the end of the story, as the three men are about to leave, one of them looks at Abraham and he says, you know, I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah will then have a son. Well, mind you, Sarah and Abraham, it's estimated, are in their 90s. That's why upon hearing this, Sarah burst into this loud roar of laughter, recognizing that this is something ridiculous. But Abraham, he doesn't laugh. In fact, he trusts and he believes. And sure enough, a year later, Sarah gives birth to Isaac, which in Hebrew means God laughs. The implication? When we focus our attention on God, it always benefits our life just like it did for Sarah and Abraham. Now, this first reading, it really sets the tone for the gospel for this weekend. Now, one of the things that we've learned, you know, throughout the years, even centuries, is that this story about Mary and Martha really has encouraged strong opinions from people. Many people support either Mary or many people support Martha. Now, notice how the story begins. Jesus entered a village where a woman whose name was Martha welcomed him. She had a sister named Mary, who sat beside the Lord at his feet, listening to him speak. Martha, burdened with much serving, came to Jesus and said, Lord, do you care that my sister has left me by myself to do the serving? Tell her to help me. Well, based upon what we've learned from the first reading, we know that this gospel story has really nothing to do about hospitality in the sense of welcoming somebody into our house and providing a meal to them. Martha is doing her best, yes, you know, to welcome Jesus as a guest, absolutely. And also at the same time, this gospel story is really an argument you could say, between the active and contemplative life. Well, those are, I would say, superficial arguments or maybe a superficial way to understand this story. Now, as I'm always doing, I'm challenging all of us to dig deeper spiritually. You know, that's where the pearls are. And that's where we truly know the truth about God 
the kingdom of God in this world, and how we are engaged in it. For example, last week in the story of the Good Samaritan. And so, what does Jesus really criticize Martha? Well, it's her mind is going one way and her soul is going another way. They're split. They're not focused on the one thing, which is Christ himself. Instead, they're going in opposite directions. But look at Mary. Mary, her mind, her heart, her soul, her will and her intellect, they're all focused. They're all riveted on one thing, Jesus Christ. That's why she sits at the feet of Jesus and is listening to him intently. We could say soaking in everything that Jesus is telling her. As it says, she sat before the Lord. Now notice what Martha says to Jesus. She says to him, tell her to help me. Well, there's some lessons that we can take from this. First of all, it's not good when we yell at God. Second of all, it's never good when we tell God what to do. Nothing ever gets accomplished that way. Now, does Jesus get upset with her? No. Does he get frustrated or angry? Absolutely not. Instead, he's very compassionate with her, very patient. Notice what he says to her. Martha, Martha, you are concerned and worried about many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part and will not be taken away from her. See, Jesus is talking about the one thing. The early church fathers referred to this as the unum necessarium, the one thing necessary, which is essentially bringing all of our attention and all of our heart, mind, and soul to the presence of God in our life, riveted on God, just like Abraham was and Mary. And yet, it's true for all of us, right? Any of us, at any given day, you know, we go to work, or since it's summer now, you know, we get the kids ready for the day. And throughout the day, whether we're at work, we're preoccupied with deadlines and meetings. Or at home, we're preoccupied with routines. You know, things that we need to get done around the house, errands that need to be run, you know, where the kids need to be taken. We're constantly preoccupied and anxious about getting all those things done over the course of the day. And see, these things worry us. And that's what's the danger. You know, and that's what you could say is Martha's dangers. We're so anxious and preoccupied with all the things that dictate our lives and eventually will run our lives without giving any attention, as Mary did, to the one thing necessary, the unum necessarium, as Jesus said. Notice what Jesus says about Mary's choice. Jesus says, Mary has chosen the better part, and it will not be taken away from her. See, that's spiritual hospitality. We see that in the first reading with Abraham, and now we see it again in the gospel. Abraham and Mary welcome Christ into our life, and yet that's not enough. We have to be riveted on that presence of Christ in our life such that it becomes the central element of our life. And everything else in our life, they all fall in harmony with it. See, God appeared to Abraham, and what did he do? He dropped everything to serve God. Abraham chose the one thing necessary. God comes into Mary and Martha's home, 
Mary, like Abraham, she drops everything. She chooses the one thing necessary, and her whole, whole attention is focused on Christ. Mary makes that right spiritual judgment. And see, this is what occurs. You know, when we recognize the presence of God in our life, we practice good spiritual hospitality, we welcome Christ, and then we're riveted. Our attention is focused on Christ and Christ alone. You know, it reminds me of the story of Peter. Peter walking on the water. The apostles see Jesus. They think he's a ghost. Peter says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you. Jesus says, come. Peter, he's riveted at first on Christ. That's why he is able to walk on the water. But then what happens? His attention is diverted away from Christ. He now is looking at the storm and the waves. He's feeling the wind and he begins to sink. He's no longer focused on Christ. Well, the early church fathers said Mary's choice was the unum necessarium, the one thing necessary that we all must make, the one thing that helped her make sense of all the things in her life, allowed her to do the things that gave her peace and purpose in life. Mary's life now had meaning and purpose because Christ is at the very heart of her life and completely focused on Christ. Herein lies a great spiritual lesson for us this weekend in the scriptures. Abraham and Mary teach us just that, spiritual hospitality. We welcome Christ into our life, whether it's in prayer, in the Eucharist, in the sacraments, in events, and then we stay riveted. Our attention, our heart, our mind, and our soul, our will, and our intellect are focused on Christ and Christ alone. In doing so, the rest of our things in our life, they fall into harmony with that. They don't compete with Christ. See, then our life will have purpose and meaning, true joy. And may the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.